This week on Glistening Particles. And it's cool when you can connect with people who haven't just found their thing, but they want to be better at their thing. No matter what that is, you know, like you wanted to be better as a scrapbooker, even just fans of a team that want to be more informed and want to be able to watch the game and understand better and have better conversations about it. That is something that should always be pushed forward, that should always be encouraged, which is finding the thing that you like and then getting better at it and investing more in it to make it even more meaningful. This is Glistening Particles, and I'm Jane, your host. I like to hear inspiring stories for people that I barely know and share them with you, and that's what we do here. I never know how it's going to go. I never know what they're going to say, but it's always a good story. Today's episode is brought to you by the Lolly Art Group. Tanner Lolly is a two-time Glistening Particles guest and an amazing artist who has paintings seen around the world. It's impossible to view his work and not feel the power flowing from them. It's like this beautiful mix of like strength and love. I'm wild about a painting called Momentum. It just takes me ah, to a place I can't really explain. To view his current work as well as find out where he'll be, check out thelollyartgroup.com or if you're in the Dallas area, stop in his gallery And remember to allow plenty of time for a real artistic experience. In this episode, I'm talking with a fellow podcaster, Jared Morris. Jared is the host of Assembly Call, a podcast about Indiana basketball, and the co-host of Showrunner, a podcast about podcasting. I've been a Jared fan since launching Glistening Particles because I don't know if it would have happened without the knowledge collected through listening to loads and loads of Showrunner episodes. Sitting down to hear his story was such a great moment on this journey of storytelling, and I bet you'll find him just as inspiring as I did. Here we go. Hi, Jared. Welcome to the show. Hello. I'm really, really happy to be here. Very excited. Good. And we're on video, and that always uh, keeps me a little bit more nervous and on my toes, so you can watch that happen as I fidget through this entire (laughs) conversation. Um, I'm so glad to have you here. So we had Johnny on already, and the two of you are the team of Showrunner, which um, is basically probably the guidelines and all the tips that got me to start up the show to begin with. I think I listened to all first 75 episodes before I started. Wow. I know. And you had transcripts back then, which helped a little bit because I could just kind of scan some of them. (laughs) Yeah, we thought about bringing those back. We might need to do those again. I actually enjoy having those when I go back to review old episodes, you know, for what we talked about. It's nice to have those to go back and look at. So we may need to do that again. I know, because think about when you do a best of and you could just search that content when you're looking for something. I know. I actually have found out, I don't know if you told me this or someone else, that YouTube automatically creates a transcript when you upload a, Mm -hmm. a video. But I haven't figured out how to take my files as a tech day. We'll talk about that another day. So I'm still working on that. But yeah, I love transcripts. So one of the things 
I want to mention is, so I'm part of the showrunner community that you and Johnny created, which I absolutely love. It's so great having a community of podcasters to work with. And I know a little bit about you from there, but what I don't know about you, and it'd be great to start in for the listeners, is sort of how did you find your way to podcasting? That's a good question. I mean, uh, a lot by accident, I would say. But then when I actually think about stuff that I used to do when I was younger, it starts to make sense. Mm-hmm. You know, because like like I didn't do any formal training in it, anything like that. And it, it, it wasn't at all what I thought I was going to do for my career. Because, you know, when I first graduated from school, I was a teacher for a little while. And then I, you know, worked as a manager at a print shop and like was doing a bunch of different stuff, kind of trying to find my way and never, you know, had a thought about you know, really being like an online content creator and and ended up doing that almost by happenstance because I was going to go to law school. I was doing some work for a lawyer here in Dallas, was planning on moving away from Dallas and just had a chance meeting um, with a guy named Derek Schaefer. And he just needed someone to do some writing kind of, he, you know, he, he, he was doing some marketing for companies here in Dallas. And so I just took some some side work with him. And that led to eventually becoming a partner in his company. And part of doing that was learning about online marketing. And so I kind of set up my own website, found that I really liked it, you know, like creating Mm -hmm. content. And he happened to be, he's a musician and kind of an audio geek. And so he like got all excited about buying all this equipment. We set up a studio (laughs) in our, in our office. And I was like, well, shoot, I've heard about, let me just, let me try a podcast for the sports blog that I had. And it just, you know, so it was almost accidental. And if a lot of things hadn't kind of happened to lead to that, I might have gotten into it by now, but certainly wouldn't have started back then. And obviously, you know, as we know, the earlier that you start something and can kind of start getting those reps and make those mistakes and get the bad audio out, the better off you're going to be. Yeah, but then, like, I think back to stuff that I used to do when I was younger and my friends and I would, like, create these ridiculous audio adventures. We would actually, like, write... uh, It's kind of an embarrassing story. This may be one of those things that I'd tell you to take (laughs) out later. But, um, like, we would actually, like, write these scripts of us, like doing all of these ridiculous things and then act them out and record it. And we actually still have these today. Like <laughs> sometimes if we get together, we'll listen to them. I mean, it is like the stuff that like, you know, high school boys will do and it is embarrassing and thoroughly ridiculous. But I think about that now and it was, you know, one of the first times that I actually did like audio production and was recording and was like, <laughs> you know, kind of performing behind a microphone. So, you know, in some senses, like I'd, I'd always kind of been drawn to it. And I think that's why, you know, once I found it and actually, you know, found a real kind of professional outlet for it, I, I just, it kind of unlocked this enthusiasm and this motivation in me that has obviously carried me forward ever since. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm forever grateful to, uh, you know, for meeting Derek and kind of for the opportunities that he gave me, cause it was really kind of a springboard to what I've been doing ever since. And that's copy blogger, right? Is that that was is, that that was actually before Copyblogger. So oh, okay. I was yeah, it was a company called Orangecast here in Dallas, basically doing like online marketing for small businesses. And as part of that, we actually ended up developing our own hosting platform because the sports blog that I had started got so popular and was getting so much traffic that it would crash all the time. <laughs> and and Derek, that's, a, that's and he, an easy that's a good problem to have, right? It was. <laughs> it, it was a good problem to have. And you know, I was kind of the content guy. Derek was very, you know, kind of tech savvy. He was like, okay, there's got to be a better way to do this. So he actually kind of created his own little hosting stack and we Mm -hmm. put my site on there and it was doing a lot better. So we were like, you know, there's probably other people who could use this. And and so we kind of built up this small little hosting company and then Copyblogger ended up acquiring us when they were looking to find a hosting company 
that would eventually go into the Rainmaker platform. And so then I got to be part of the copy blogger team for several years, which was another incredible experience, you know, to just be able to interact and work with so many smart people um, that kind of took everything from a content creation perspective to the next level. Okay, there's so many things in there I want to ask about, but I'm going to go back to the easiest one of all, which is so these high school recording <laughs> things that you did, and this is all audio yes. only, it's not video? Yeah, it's audio only, okay, just audio. And were there sound effects as well? Um, not, oh, I guess somewhat, although most of the sound effects were like just made by our like mouths. Like it was just <laughs> stuff that we could, like, that we could act uh, out like that. Yeah, like. And, there, and there would be like, you know, 10 different characters and it was mostly me and one other friend and we would do all the voices, even oh like gosh. impersonating our other friends when they weren't there to do it. Yeah. I mean, they are, they are thoroughly ridiculous. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't really ever want anybody to hear them because it's like, you know, it's inside jokes and all these things that no one else would get. I promise you it's funny, but right. it's only funny if you had the full context of growing uh. up with us. Um, but yeah, it was, no, it was mostly just kind of what we could, you know, I guess there were a couple sound effects that we'd play off the computer, but otherwise it was just, you know, whatever we could figure out with our voices. <laughs> I think there's going to be a purpose for those someday. Like one of the things I was hearing about at this conference last weekend was found content, found audio and how people yeah. are bringing found audio old recordings from, you know, long ago back into podcasting and, and using mm. those. So you might have like some sort of rogue or some sort of I don't know, podcast sitting there in the waiting for the right time. <laughs> we, we, we always joke, none of us could ever like run for political office or anything because <laughs> at some point these would be unearthed and would be like, we're going to elect this guy who created these. I don't think so. Yeah. You do have to be careful about that. So yes. <laughs> that's too funny. Not, not that there's anything bad on them. They're just so ridiculous right. that people would be like, okay. Just embarrassing and awkward. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So yes. um, the other thing is I like the way that you you kind of kept following what you were curious about and what excited you. And it kept leading you to these next things and next things, and next things, because now your blog that you keep referring to, is that what's become assembly call? Is that the same thing? It's not the same thing. That okay. blog was called Midwest sports fans. Okay. Um, and it was, you know, it's funny. It was like my first experience with trying positioning mm -hmm. because even at that time, you know, like there were a lot of blogs out there and I was like, well, if I'm going to start, if I'm going to start a blog, it needs to be. And I basically only started it to learn WordPress <laughs> it was, you know, Derek was like, we're going to use WordPress. You know, you need to know WordPress. And I was like, well, the best way for, I can't really learn anything unless I just fully get my hands on it and like actually do something myself and make a whole bunch of mistakes where no one can see them. And then I, you know, then I learn it. So I was like, well, I really like sports. I need something I'll enjoy creating content about, but I need kind of a niche because, you know, I need to narrow my focus a little bit. Um, so did Midwest sports fans. And, you know, as I was going through that creating content, you know, did it for a couple of years you know, I found that I really got sick of kind of the hamster wheel that you get on when you're trying to drive traffic to an ad based site where you just want to get as much traffic as possible. Cause I started out really trying to write like long, thorough, thoughtful articles mm -hmm. and those would do okay, but they'd get a couple of hundred visits. Whereas I could post like a, you know, an image or a meme or something, or just a quick video, just get it on my site that someone else had posted, but because there was good SEO, it would get a hundred thousand visitors in like two hours. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the incentives of course are to get the traffic because that's how you're right. going to get more revenue. And the more revenue you get on your site, the more time you can spend on it. So all of the incentives were pointing me in, in a direction toward content that I thoroughly loathed creating. Mm. And I finally, I kind of woke up one day and I was like, you know, I can't, I just don't want to do this anymore. I'm not enjoying this content. It's not really what I'm excited about. It's not why I started, you know, why I got interested in, in really pursuing this site in the first place. And I was like, 
you know, what I love going back to my childhood is Indiana basketball. And I love actually creating in-depth content about this. There's not a big audience for it. There's probably no way to like generate, you know, revenue off of it. But if I'm going to create content, I want to actually do it on something that I care about and that I'm proud of the content that I'm creating. So I started focusing a lot of that on the site and then just decided, you know, let me just pull this onto its own site because it's Mm -hmm. all I'm doing anymore. So it was kind of an offshoot of that. It started there and then developed into its own site. And then eventually, you know, I just kind of stopped creating content on Midwest sports fans. And it, you know, I think it's still up, but it, you know, there hasn't been a new post there in five, six, seven years, something like that. Mm. It's just... You know, I guess for better or worse, especially when it comes to content, I've never been real good at once I lose my enthusiasm for it, just kind of continuing to do it. Um, well, well, people would feel that. That's the thing. When, you know, you can't yeah. force it. If you force it, no one's going to want to read it anyway. Right. You and, know? you know, and so I've kind of struggled with like, OK, you know, where's the line between, OK, will you push through this and get to the other side and mm-hmm. then you know, you're like, you're so grateful that you didn't quit. But, but I get, you know, it's like with the assembly call and you and I have talked about this and you know, we're about to do our eighth season, most off seasons when we're done, cause it's very intense for six months and there's six months where it's not very intense. Mm-hmm. It, most off seasons, I've been ready to quit and not do it anymore mm-hmm. because my role with the show being the host and kind of running the site. And like, I have a lot more kind of on my shoulders in terms of time that I invest in it. Mm-hmm. And Prior to this off season, usually my two co-hosts, like I would send them an email, guys, you know, I think I'm done. I just, you know, I don't think this is really what I want to do anymore. And they would always kind of give me the reasons to come back to it. And then I would get back into it and kind of refine my enthusiasm for it, you know? And so, but then other things that didn't happen, but I've just, I've never, once my enthusiasm is really genuinely gone for something, it's just been kind of hard for me to go through the motions with it. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, that's kind of what happened there. But I think the the outcome was good because it really allowed me to focus on what I was really passionate about creating content about. And there's so much content out there on the web. People don't need content that you're half-assing. Like, right. You know? Oh, totally. Because there's, because right. there's probably 15 other pieces of content about that subject by someone who really cares about it. Right. So I just, it doesn't make sense to me to even try to do content about something that I'm not just like, you know, really head over heels you know, crazy about. Right. I think the hardest thing is always like really officially letting go of the old things though. I mean, I've done that too, where I switch from one thing to the next and I always kind of have one foot in each door for a while and then it gets super stressful because you're doing both things. You're like, I finally have to like step out of that and move on, but it takes a while for me to do that. I don't know about you. Um, No, I, I agree with that. I have a, there's a site called Primility, um, which was a real passion project for me for a couple of years kind of based on this concept of, you know, the power of balancing pride and humility. Because to me, like, you know, it's the simplest but most effective, like, formula for success. You know, like, if you keep pride and humility in balance, like, you're going to be successful in whatever you're doing. Because either one of those, if they run rampant on their own, they're going to take you in a bad direction. But Mm -hmm. you keep them in balance, you know. And so I created this site about it and got really into it for a while. And like, I, you know, I wear this red wristband that says primility on it. And so one of the things I was doing is that everybody who subscribed to the email list, I would actually mail them, a, you know, a red primility wristband, mm-hmm. you know, it got up to, you know, 145, 150 of them that I was mailing out. And like this cool little community was building and people were really starting to like it. But I could never quite figure out, like, what is the future of this? Like, I know that this means a lot to me, but I don't really know exactly how to explain it. And like from a con, like I could just never quite figure out the direction for it. And so it kind of withered a little bit just because I didn't 
I wasn't sure how to transfer my enthusiasm to others. And I always felt like I was explaining it poorly. And, and you know, so it just, it, it's kind of gone up and down and I've started it again and stopped it, but it, mm-hmm. it's kind of the same thing where there's been certain points where it's kind of hanging there and it's like a weight on my mind and on my heart. Cause I'm like, I really want to do something with this, but I don't know exactly what to do. But all this time that I'm spending worrying about it is right. taking away from what I could be doing over here. So I finally, you know, just had to say, okay, I'm just, I'm putting this aside. I feel right. bad because I'm not doing my weekly newsletter anymore. And I just kind of abandoned this audience that was right. so generous in, in kind of congregating around it. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know what to give them right now. And it's just pulling me away from other things where I can actually, you know, be of value. And that's all, you know, it's a hard thing to do, but right. I, I kind of think ultimately you're doing your audience a service by not giving them, you know, a half hearted right. effort, you know? And so, so I don't know. So that's kind of my long answer or my long explanation for how I, I definitely agree with you on that. You know, it's, I have to reflect back to you though, um, Jared, that you actually exude exactly what you're saying is important to you. That combination of pride and humility, humility, um, I would say you're probably one of the most balanced people I know that way. So you're doing it. You're just doing it through uh, how you show up. Yeah. You know, one of the things, I really appreciate you saying that. Um, that's probably about the greatest compliment I could get, <laughs> I think. Um, it, one of the things that I did with that site is a daily show. It was the first ever daily show that I did. I think I did it. It was actually, it was one summer, my wife was like traveling a lot for work. And so I had a lot of time on my own. And so I could do the show kind of in the, you know, in the mornings and I really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, just kind of showing up every day and, you know, trying to be that example and also trying to find a, you know, just a a unique way to explain the concept in a different way. Um, and did it for a little while, but then it, you know, just kind of fizzled because, Mm -hmm. you know, again, I started running out of ways to explain it. And then, you know, as as you know, you know, you get, set into this rhythm of how you're going to create content in your schedule and then your life changes. Right. And it's like, oh no, I don't have that time in the morning anymore. Like I, now I can't do this anymore. Right. It's, um, a fr- it's frustrating, but it's just the impermanence of life. It's like that. I, mean, I keep wanting the good things to just stay the way they are, but that means the bad things would stay the way they are too, if you want to use that term. But you know what I mean? It's just yeah. the impermanence of life. The other thing I think is there have been so many things I've, you know, dove into and was so excited about, you know, where you can't sleep at night, you're just working on it all night long. And you, mm-hmm. you know, the enthusiasm is, is like, you can't even stop the the energy from it. It's like so exciting. And I'll burn through that and I'll go through it and I'll create the thing and I'll have the thing on the other side. And I'm like, okay, now I'm going to go do the next thing. And sometimes I yeah. think it's just to learn. Cause if I look back at me today, a lot of those things that I did that I had that level of enthusiasm about were actually teaching me lessons that are really part of who I am right now. And it might've been about going, knowing when to let go when the project's done, or it might've been about, oh, here's how you do audio or here's how you do graphics yeah. or whatever. But I feel like all these little things, when it, when I get really excited, I like to grab onto them because I know ultimately there's a lesson for me in there. Yeah, I I agree. That's It's interesting that you say that. I, I kind of wrestle with myself back and forth. Like mm-hmm. I'm I can be very all or nothing in certain senses. Like, you know, I get really excited about something and just get blinders on and I mean, just, you know, can just get into that kind of flow focus state where it's like, all I want to do is this. I don't need to like eat or do anything else. Like, I just want to work on this thing. Right. You know, and I tried to like shy away from that for a while because I was really focused on balance, you know, Mm -hmm. and like, well, 
I don't want these things to overtake my life. Like I, you know, I'm, I want to be a husband now. I'm going to be a father. Like I want to have a more balanced life than what I had before. Mm -hmm. And I think it was good to kind of go in that direction and learn how to do that a little bit. But I've been trying, I've also felt like I lost a little piece of myself in the process because I didn't have those moments where I just got completely lost in something because I wasn't allowing myself to. And I've been trying to open myself back up to that because there is something nourishing about that. There is something that is just so fulfilling about those times. And yes, you do have to be able to balance it with getting your feet back on the ground, you know, afterwards. And it's got to, you know, especially when you're, you know, when you're not living alone and you've got a wife and (laughs) you've got kids, yeah, Yeah, you have other responsibilities. (laughs) Like, you you know, you probably can't totally just give, give into it, but I've been trying to, I guess, just be a little bit more compassionate with myself and understanding like, you know what, you need this every now and then, and that is okay. And you've just got to be honest with yourself and with the other people who are around you to do that because they ultimately want you to be at your best and you want to be at your best. And maybe that's just something that you need for whatever reason. So, well, you know, I I think as a society, we, we easily give that luxury to like musicians and poets and, um, artists, painters, but for Mm -hmm. some reason, the kind of work that we're doing, which I think has, you know, its own and equal creative value, um, we're a little more hesitant to do that, to say like, oh, they're a creative. They can go, you know, go in their bubble for a while. But if, if we were oil painters, people would be like, oh, back up. They're going in their bubble of painting for a while. Or if we were yeah, it's true. poets, they would be like, don't talk to her today. She's writing. You know, I mean, I that's the hardest thing is when I when the flow hits, I just want to put up like a big, you know, lock on my door and nobody talks to me. Yep. <laughs> but I don't have a way of doing that yet. So I get I get the frustration and I have to feed that though. If I don't feed it, that's why I keep doing the podcast. Well, because I love it yeah. and it feeds that. And if I stop doing it, I know something else would come along to feed it, but I love this so much that uh, it would be bad to give up right now, you know? Yeah. Maybe, there's no, no I, point. Yeah, right. No, I, I agree. I mean, there's a certain adrenaline rush that you can get from it. And there's a certain fulfillment at the end that isn't always really possible to like really explain to someone else. It's like, you know, it's like what we do with the assembly call, you know, it's a post game show right after a basketball game. So, Mm -hmm. you know, for two hours, we're watching the game. Then we do the post game show right after. And then, you know, a lot of times I'll write a post game email after that. So all in, it's like a five hour process, Mm -hmm. you know, but it's like this five hour process or like when you explain it to people, okay, so you're so you're watching a basketball game on television <laughs> by yourself, and then you hop in front of a computer and you talk about it, and then you sit behind your computer and you type and mail this out to people. That sounds boring. That oh, sounds, yeah. you know, it, it, like, <laughs> Not to like me. all these things. But like, like, you know, but even when I, when I like say it out loud sometimes, you know, I'm like, this does sound kind of silly. But then I think about how I feel kind of when I'm in the middle of it. And for whatever reason, like there, you know, the focus that it takes during the game to like to plan out what you're going to say on a post game show immediately after, like there's no preparation time, right. but you know, we've, you know, we got to have a really tightly produced, you know, hour long show that's giving people insight and pointing out moments they might've missed. And that actually gives people analysis. So like there's kind of an adrenaline rush and a focus to that. And it's all kind of compacted into this little time, you know, as you know, a guy who grew up as an athlete and really enjoyed that, you know, to me, it's almost like that, challenge to just be focused and give mm-hmm. your all in this kind of sprint of activity and then be able to exhale at the end of it and be like, you know what? You know, I did a good job. Like I, mm-hmm. you know, I picked out, you know, some good moments and I was really on point, like taking notes and, you know, the <laughs> way that I, the way that I hosted the show and the way we kept the flow going and like paced everything, like it was really good, you know, almost analyzing it like a coach or an athlete after a game. Right. And again, 
sounds silly saying it out loud, but then when I think about like how I feel in those moments, like it is a fulfilling thing. And hopefully at the end of it, it provides content that people find entertaining and educational, which is, you know, the goal. But for me actually creating it, like that's one of the things when it comes to, okay, you know, would I stop doing the show when there's all these reasons and it's inconvenient and there's a lot of different reasons why I could stop the show. And it's like, but man, I would miss those five hours. Right. You know, like I would just miss it. Like I just love it. Even when the game starts at nine o'clock at night and I don't get to go to bed till two, like, (laughs) and and then when there's another game two days later, like it's a grind, but it's my grind and I really like it. So, right. (laughs) And you'll know, I mean, you'll know when you stop feeling that way about it. Like I was telling you today, I'm recording three episodes and and I, I'm just lit. I'll be lit. I won't even be able to sleep tonight, probably, because this is this is the fun. This is what's so great about it. And you know, I think someone who's like a public speaker, or even someone who, maybe a surgeon. I'm trying to use examples that might somewhat fit in with that. I'm doing five hours of something. Yeah. People that have passion about that kind of work, they have the same thing, right? It's just yeah. that we don't think of those things. We always think of the exciting thing as, oh, we're all people are out and socializing and there's a big bunch of people around you and all that. But I don't know when I sit down and write sometimes I can just like, I'm giddy. I'm giddy and high through the whole thing. Like I, I don't know. I think everyone just knows their thing and it sounds like you really found your way to your things. Yes. And I, you know, I struggle sometimes with the fact that creating content and building a community around a college basketball team is my thing. Because okay. there's a lot of because there's a lot of silly elements to it, like I, to me, like when you actually look at it, and it's I guess taking me a while to like be able to like say it out loud with pride because mm-hmm. because I do recognize you know because I, I guess it, to a certain extent I wish like my thing was being a surgeon right like I, I wish I had right. had maybe gone that path or cared about something that you could look at in the grand scheme of things and say, you know what, this is providing so much more value to the world, like on an objective basis. But again, and this is where, you know, I think just being honest with myself and trying to have compassion with myself, you know, when I was growing up and I was going to these games with my dad, you know, it, you know, these were like epic moments and it created this emotional connection that here I am, you know, 37 years old and I still care about this silly basketball team. Mm -hmm. But you know what? I didn't really get to choose my thing. It kind of chose me. And then the question is, okay, what are you going to do about it? And to me, I think what we've been able to do, and again, why I can still be so enthusiastic about it is, you know, we've tried to really create a useful conversation and more than that, create a community and a place where people can congregate around this that is this special thing to them and they can kind of find other people who recognize it for more than just, okay, here's some guys running around playing a game of basketball. You care about this, why? And it's like, well, this is actually a through line between generations of people who had a similar life experience going to school and have cared about this thing and can share these emotional, like memories of these emotional moments that they all had. That is this really cool through line between generations and different people and, you know, that brings people together. It's like, and it's actually really cool to be a conduit for that and to be able to, to bring people together in that way. So it's like, you know, no, I didn't get to choose my thing. And it would be really easy to say, you know, I I wish I was just genuinely passionate about something that was quote unquote more meaningful. But to me and to the people that are involved in this, it is really meaningful. And it really doesn't matter what anybody else on the outside would think. It matters what these people would think, because that's who I'm invested in serving as a content creator. And it's kind of taken me a while to get to that point. But I've, I'm at a much more, I guess, 
comfortable, kind of confident, self-assured spot with that now, which I think has helped has helped us actually to be able to grow the show because it's not like a thing where it's, you know, I feel like I'm constantly apologizing to myself or other people for devoting my time to this. It's like, you know what, this is meaningful to a lot of people. And that right. that's all that matters. It doesn't matter. Nothing else matters. I mean, I think everything that we do in our work, if we're creating connection, we're doing something that's important in the world today. And yeah. I think about my dad, right? He would watch the Badger games uh, by himself, you know, and I'm sure and even like back in the day when I was a kid, he would be the one in the living room watching the Packer game, yelling at the TV, and none yeah. of us were paying any attention to it, you know. And I'm sure more than anything, he would have loved to get on to be able to get on a call and talk with other people about the game. He was a semi-pro football player. He loved to play. He loved football, yeah. you know. But that didn't exist then. And in his later years, you know, there wasn't. There was probably something like that, but I didn't know how to find it for him. But you're creating something that gives people joy. And the more we can do that in the world, the better the better off the world is. I mean, that's really the bottom line. You're serving something important, even if it's not, you know, um, appendic- appendicitis surgery or something like that. Yeah, You're serving no, something I, really important. I, I agree with you. And, you know, emails that I've gotten from listeners have helped reinforce that. One of the things that reinforced it more than anything, either the last time I was down or a couple of times ago when we were visiting my wife's parents, and I was just, you know, I was in the kitchen doing dishes with her dad, with my father-in-law. And we just, you know, got to talking. And he was telling me about that he was in the military. And so he was telling me about how when they moved, when they first moved to Fort Hood, which is about two and a half hours south of Dallas, you know, he used to, he'd turn the radio on. He could get this station in Dallas with mm-hmm. this, this guy, Randy Galloway, who was a, you know, big, well-known radio host here in Dallas. And he would, you know, talk about the Dallas teams. And, and so, so my father-in-law, you know, was just telling me how, you know, it was just kind of a nightly thing. And he would, you know, he would listen to the show and he really, really enjoyed it. And, you know, eventually that show ended up like he couldn't get the, like, I guess they changed the wattage of the signal or whatever. And so he couldn't mm-hmm. get it down there anymore. And just like how, how, how much of kind of a void it was not being able to listen to it. And right. I guess, you know, then, you know he, he emailed or sent a letter uh, to the, to Randy Galloway and he wrote him back and how much that meant to him. And, I, you know, he's telling me the story and I'm like, you know, he's, this, these are the messages that I've gotten from other people. And here, you know, here he is kind of, and like, I could tell that it, like, it, it actually like meant something and kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, left a void that he didn't have this thing. And it wasn't necessarily that, he had to have the sports analysis, you know, like that wasn't, that wasn't necessarily like changing his day, but it was the familiarity, almost the Mm -hmm. camaraderie, just, you know, that connection that was missing and, and, and was missed. And, you know, that, that's one of those things I'll, I'll always reflect on that, you know, in those moments when I'm like, yeah, do I want to keep doing this? Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, you know, I do because there's, there's someone out there who, who, really enjoys this and is looking forward to it. And I'm enjoying it, looking forward to creating it. So why shouldn't that that match right. be able to be made? Totally. I mean, I'm hoping some of the listeners will go out and check it out. I'm not a big basketball fan. I don't know a lot about <laughs> basketball. Um, I grew up with football, like I said, and soccer with my kids. But I just love the idea of the connection. I mean, I have my own niche connection things. Like I used to do a lot of scrapbooking type, but more art, like pretty artsy kind of scrapbook things. And there was a huge community of that. So we'd go, I went to a big conference in Chicago and I'm sure everybody was like, why are all these people here with all these crafty things doing this thing in the hotel? But it was, you know, just that connection was amazing. And so we all find our thing and it's the connection that counts. And it's, 
and it's cool when you can connect with people who haven't just found their thing, but they want to be better at their thing. No matter right. what that is, you know, like you wanted to be better as a scrapbooker, even just fans of a team that want to be more informed and want to be able to watch the game and understand better and have better conversations about it. Mm-hmm. it there, there's, you know, that is something that should always be pushed forward, that should always be encouraged, which is finding the thing that you like and then getting better at it and investing more in it to make it even more meaningful. Have you always been like this your whole life? I mean, I like I've always, always been about betterment. And maybe it's because uh, my dad worked, he ran an auto plant and it was all about, you know, improving the assembly process. So I was probably pretty, (laughs) that was droned into me. But I always looked for ways to do things better and easier. And uh, and I always had like this crazy enthusiasm, like running outside, let's do an experiment after the rain and find all these things and start measuring <laughs> like crazy things. Is that something that you always were as a kid, just always looking, I mean, for, you know, things to go after? That's a good question. I don't know if I was necessarily looking for things to go after, but I have always kind of been the things that I found that have really excited me, mm-hmm. like kind of, as I said earlier, like going at them a hundred percent. Right. And kind of taking it to like the nth degree, um, you know, again, maybe maybe to the detriment of becoming more well-rounded and having <laughs> different interests, but, you know, that hyper-focus, which, you know, there's a trade-off. It's, yeah. you know, it's like, and, and I've always had to kind of like really keep doing something to get it. I couldn't just like, oh, here, I read this one thing and now I understand it and I can move on to the next thing. It's like, no, I got to read it and I got to do it and I got to, you know, so know. like it's not always the most efficient process. Right. Um, so, uh, yeah, I would say that would probably be more descriptive. Yeah, some days I wish that I didn't get so excited about learning new things because, as you know, I'm dumping ideas everywhere I go. And I just, <laughs> you know, today there was something I'm like, I need to research that. I'm like, just stop, just stop. Like, focus on what you have to do here because there's yeah. so many exciting, there's everywhere you look, there's something exciting and interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so you you said you were a teacher for a while. Is that how you ended up kind of pivoting into adding a second show with Showrunner? Not really. Those two things are totally unrelated. Um, when I was graduating college, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I went to a call out meeting for Teach for America and really oh, yeah. just like just fell in love with the program. Applied for the program, did not get accepted to it. But it turned out that a family member of mine had actually created a series of schools down in Florida they were basically alternative schools. She had taken some bungalows that had been set up for Hurricane Andrew and like turned it into a school where basically they took kids who would who had gotten in trouble, would otherwise be in jail, and they put them in this school. And it was kind of like a last resort before they would go to jail. So it was actually a lockdown facility, but they had teachers in school mm-hmm. and it was an accredited high school. So they had high school teams. And so I ended up going and teaching there, um, which was a really good experience. I was absolutely not cut out for it. I, I mean, it just like, I, I just, I wasn't ready for that kind of a situation because mm-hmm. I didn't have any life experience to be able to share with these kids and also had no training as a teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I, like I was still able to make some connections, but I was also really, really naive and, uh-huh. you know, like the, the kids couldn't have cell phones, but they knew like they could just come and tell me like the simplest sob story and I would let them use my phone, even <laughs> though we weren't technically supposed to. And of course there were good reasons for that, right. but me being, you know, young and idealistic, I guess, didn't listen to the rules. And, you know, one day a kid told me that his, you know, his uh, grandma was in the hospital and he had to call her. Turned out he'd set up to have friends come pick him up and he tried and he broke out that night. Oh, jeez. Because he used my phone. Yeah. So it was one of those things like I kind of realized 
you know, relatively quickly, I think I was there for six or seven months, but that it just, it wasn't a very good fit. You know, like a lot of the other teachers and, and like, I think now I could go. And even though I don't necessarily have the life experience, I know better how to listen. I know more how to empathize, you know, so I, I could, I would be able to relate better and I wouldn't Mm -hmm. be such a pushover. And I would actually respect the rules that were there because they're probably there for, you know, for good reason. (laughs) So I think I'd be, I'd be much more equipped to do it now, but I definitely wasn't at the time. Um, so ended up kind of moving on to other things. Uh, but I, I do come from a family of teachers. And so I guess I've just always kind of had that in my blood that, um, just that enthusiasm for being able to take something that I know or have learned and kind of transfer the knowledge and the enthusiasm for it, you know, to other people. I really enjoy that. Like when we do office hours for the show, mm-hmm. I mean, it's one of the highlights of my week. Like I always, there'll be, you know, to a certain extent, you know, Thursday will be coming and I'll be, you know, doing a lot of work and I'll be like, oh man, we've got office hours at one thirty, and it'll <laughs> feel like an obligation. And then at the end of it, I am just so filled with like, cause those conversations that we have are so much fun. And it's like, that is why we do this. Like that is awesome. You yeah, know, that, so that right it, there just is really like them. That's such a gift that you guys do that. I mean, I try to show up for as many of those as I can because every conversation is, well, I mean, just anytime you can connect with people who are doing something that you love and talk about it and ask questions, it's great. It's so yeah, great. And, and the other reason I like that, you know, one of the challenges of doing online education that I have found, and I think like one of the reasons why we've actually stalled a little bit with some of the work that we wanted to do on our courses, like we got the positioning course out, but we have some other work on our main course is you know, you're trying to create something and kind of put it in this capsule to where everybody who comes to it is going to get something out of it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, as you learn in these office hours, you know, everybody has a little bit, a bit of a different approach, a different goal, a different question. And so I've really, and this is a challenge that I'm going to have to work through if I'm going to keep doing, you know, online education the way that we've done it, like courses is, you know, at some point you've got to, you know, you have to know your audience well enough to know, you know, what's really going to help the majority of people and put something out there that will be generally helpful and then be able to answer questions. But it's it makes it so much simpler when you get to talk with someone one-on-one, mm-hmm. hear the backstory, learn the context, you know, and then figure it out and really give people tailored advice. And you, you know, you see the light bulb go off and you feel that connection where it's like, okay, I get you, I understand what you're trying to do. You know that I'm, you know, hearing you and understanding you and and you know, we're coming to this solution together. It's a really magical moment, you know. Right. Now, you know, the problem with that is it doesn't always necessarily scale. So when you think right. about business around <laughs> exactly. it, you know, it's like, okay, well, you know, that's, I'm spending this time with this one person, you know, imagine if I could create a course that a thousand people could take at once, you know, the revenue possibilities are endless and that's all true. Like that's the big promise of online education. But I personally just have found myself to be struggling with letting go of a lesson and knowing exactly how to plan the lesson right. because just not being there as the person's taking it to see how they're interacting with it and stuff. I just, I struggle with that. Just something I need to get over, but I I love those one-on-one opportunities at office hours. Yeah, me too. I I do really a lot. Do you let people like when you do create a new, new content like that, some new learning materials, do you give them out to a couple of people to try and get feedback on like people that are far enough removed that aren't in, in the middle of it with you? I probably should. Mm-hmm. Like with, you know, with the positioning course, we kind of had a little beta test for it right. uh, and that helped because that feedback does always help. Um, so that, you know, um, that's, it's a really good suggestion. It's probably something that I should build into 
the and 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 I guess before we didn't necessarily have the community like we have now, so it right. actually feels like it would be easier to do that. And that's that's probably a really great idea because yeah. that's the thing I've learned with the positioning course is since putting the course out there, conversations we've had in office hours and then conversations Johnny and I have had on subsequent episodes of The Showrunner have fleshed out the ideas even more. Mm-hmm. So that, and now I want to go back and update those lessons. I, I have a hard time with like the thing is out there. Yeah, totally. I want to constantly go back and update it. Oh, but if really? you're always looking back, <laughs> yeah, if you're always looking back, then you're, you know, you're not looking forward. So it's like, right. okay, at what point is this course done and I'm moving on to the next thing? It's hard because I feel like I keep learning more stuff about it that right. I want to add to it. So, and and I think that's just finding a balance. You know, it doesn't totally. You, you can you can add a new lesson. You can you know update it when you need to. But I get impatient, and sometimes that impatience leads to avoidance because it's like, all right, I got to figure out this complicated, tricky thing. Let me just do the easy thing over here. I'm trying to really get better about. Let me just confront this tricky thing here. Oh yeah, that's all me. That's all me. Yeah. I do the easy thing. I can't wrap my head around something. Well, let me just go do 10 easy things and then my day is done and I've not done the hard thing. That's yeah. due. So yeah, I totally know that feeling. Yeah. Um, you know, I was going to uh, shift it up a little bit and ask you just some crazy one-off questions. So this is like, uh, if we were driving down a road, the brakes would just hit really hard and you would like bump your head and you're like, wait, how did we get here? But I'm doing that for fun, <laughs> just to take it a okay. different direction. Okay. Because I could ask you podcasting type of things all day long and I want to keep <laughs> keep focusing. So I have this theory about people that I'm trying to, um, I'm doing a really very loosely, uh, loose random questions about. So I'm going to ask you these questions that are really simple. So okay. are you iPhone or Android? I am now iPhone. I oh. was Android for a little while. When did you switch? I switched about a year ago. Uh, the main impetus for switching was the fact that my wife has an iPhone. It was easier for us to both have the same thing. Mm-hmm. And because there was a to-do list app, OmniFocus, that I wanted to use, and they did not have an Android app, but they had an iPhone app. Okay. Um, and so that, that, oh, and the third one was listening to a podcast about how security is so much better on an iPhone. Uh, So all of those things added up and I was like, all right, I'm going to switch. Was it a hard change? No, because I had used an iPhone before. Okay. So I'd gone from iPhone to Android and then went back. It would have been a, probably a very drastic change if I hadn't though. Okay. It was, it was an adjustment. I will say that to, to go back. I have this, I, I love the iPhone because it thinks like me. I think iPhones are more suited for creatives and, you know, people with like a different, not, I don't know, that kind of like artsy, creative, like right brain. And I think Androids are more left brain, even though my background is IT and that should mean that I'm left brain. It was just a fluke. So, (laughs) um, so are you a morning person or a night person? I have wrestled with this question my entire (laughs) life. And, but you know what I've, you know what I've kind of found is, and this is not good for my sleep, but I'm kind of both. Right. Okay. And what that means is I have to get better at taking naps in the afternoon mm-hmm. um, because I wake up ready to go in the morning and I get a lot of work done in the morning and I also get a lot of work done at night. Like my two most productive times are early in the morning and late at night. Ah. And the, the problem with that is, you know, when I want to sleep and actually take care of my health, it means sacrificing one of those two. And I, I did go through like a short time where I was taking afternoon naps and it was actually great, but it's... It's, I have to, like, it's been hard for me to wrap my mind around, like, sleeping in the middle of the day because I feel like I should be doing stuff, even though I know, I, I, I just, <laughs> I've got to get better at, like, figuring this out in my own head because I, the morning and the night are my two best times, but. Yeah, you know, I think, um, I was just reading something the other day that humans are the only species on the planet that don't nap, that don't, like, that don't for, that don't sleep when they should sleep, when they need to sleep, and yeah. there's so much 
um, science now around taking naps. I used to think they were awful because mm. I would nap too long. Like I'd nap two hours and then you wake up feeling super groggy. And now yeah. I do 21 minute naps just because I That's, like the number 21. So I just yeah. set my timer to 21 and I take a nap. No, I, I, when the few times I've done it, I really liked it. Mm-hmm. Probably one of the biggest things that I have learned, maybe I guess over the past year is how out of tune I've gotten like with my own body, like mm-hmm. actually just like listening, like when I'm tired, understanding that I'm tired and then actually taking the next step of, Oh, you're tired. Let's go sleep. Right. You know, same thing with like hunger, you know, like, uh, for, I, and I'd never really thought about this, but you know, I, I, I'll just eat like, because I want to eat or because I'm bored or for all of these reasons outside of, am I actually hungry? Uh-huh. You know? And so I'm kind of on this, this kick now or this, this, you know, quest, personal quest to get better at actually listening to my body and respecting what it's telling me because mm-hmm. I've come to find out that I am very, very like out of tune with it. And I think, you know, part of the reason why, like, I don't feel physically like I'm at my, you know, maximum capability mm-hmm. is just because, you know, I'm not, I'm not actually like listening to it and respecting it and giving it the love and care that it needs because I'm more giving it what I want to give it in the moment based on, you know, what I think I need to be doing. Right. Or schedule like, oh, I have 15 minutes here. I'm going to go eat quick and then I'll go back and do my things. And yeah, I totally get you. And I found that the more I, if I'm going after something really hard, like at work or like the podcast or whatever it is, or if I combine like really looking at my fitness at the same time, it's almost as though it supercharges them both. Mm-hmm. People always think, well, don't don't try to work on your health when you're in the middle of some big push. But there's there's actually a couple of books I read that I can't remember what they are right now, um, but that show that paralleling those and doing those things in parallel actually feed each other back and forth and make both of them more successful. I believe it. I so believe it. Have it. I'll get the mm-hmm. book in the t- in the show notes. Yeah, please. Uh, okay, cat or dog? Oh, dog. Oh yeah. my. <laughs> yes. Um, do you like conversation podcasts better or storytelling, like scripted podcasts? Conversation. Okay. I, for a while, I was I was into storytelling podcasts, but I don't even there. I I couldn't name a storytelling podcast that I listen to right now. And maybe I think it may just be a phase, but I'm very much more into conversation podcasts now. Me too. I, I, I listen to The Hidden Brain and I, it's very much more produced, but I don't know that it's necessarily a storytelling podcast because it's still there's interview and narrative that yeah. go together. Yeah. It's kind yeah. of a blend. Yeah. So speaking of that, what are your three favorite most listened to podcasts aside from my your three, own? Um, my three favorite most listened to podcasts. The Daily would probably probably be in there because I listen to that almost every day um, from the New York Times. It's a great podcast. Um, there is a, there's a radio host in Indianapolis who puts out a podcast and he puts all of his individual segments out as podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of times I'll scroll through there and when there's, you know, stuff about IU basketball or kind of local stuff that I want to listen to. So his would probably be in the top. And then, uh, Sam Harris's podcast, just in terms of total time listened, cause he doesn't, you know, he has an episode maybe once a week or once every other week, but they're longer episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I enjoy listening to those real, like deep dive conversations. Those are probably, those are probably the three that I listen to the most. I would say if you looked at, looked at the analytics. And what are you doing when you're listening? Are you, uh, is it, do you like just kick back and relax and listen? Or is it when you're in the car or when you're exercising or what's your, 
What's your time that you're listening? Yeah, I'm almost always doing other stuff. Yeah, so me too. <laughs> certainly driving, um, doing the dishes is a is a common one. Um, you know, just you know, folding clothes, kind of doing random stuff around the house. I haven't been going on as many walks lately. That used to be a, a big time. Mm-hmm. Um, there was there's actually a time back when my daughter was like seven or eight months old, she wouldn't nap in mm-hmm. her crib, but she would nap in the stroller. And this is when she was taking two naps a day. And my wife had gone back to work and I was taking care of her full time at the house. And so in the morning and in the afternoon, we would go out for like two hour walks so that she could nap. And I oh, listened nice. to so many podcasts because <laughs> it was like four hours of the day spent walking while she napped. And I listened to so many podcasts. And now, oh my gosh. You know, now, now I don't have, <laughs> I don't have that much time during the day to listen to them. That's good uh, in yeah, so I'm, many I'm ways. always doing yeah. other stuff. That's good in so many ways, getting out and walking and all oh, that. Oh yeah, it's yeah. great. So, okay, another question I had for you, I was, I told you I was not going totally all conversation with you because we knew each other a little bit and I wanted to get into a couple of things we haven't talked about. And I was wondering if there's something that you personally hope to see change in the world. Like when you look, you've got a young daughter, you're thinking ahead of her future. Like what's the thing that, I know there's many, but what's the thing that most, um, that you think about the most? Uh, there are two things. One, I am, I've been thinking about a lot more because of a lot of recent podcast episodes I've listened to, including one on the daily today, um, about climate change, Mm -hmm. um, and about the possibility of carbon taxes to be a way that we could actually help curb climate change. Uh, so I'm, I'm ready to see politicians in the United States have actual serious conversations about this rather than the silly polarized, like nonsensical conversations that we have about it right now. Mm -hmm. That's a very specific thing because it starts getting really scary when you think about some of these dire warnings that they're giving about, you know, what could happen and how soon that is like, that's in our lifetimes, let alone, you know, the lifetimes of our kids and, and their kids. So that, that is one thing. And I think something that goes along with that is I would just like, to see people empathize with each other more Hmm. and understand, you know, just try to see things from the other person's perspective, Mm -hmm. you know, understand, even if it's something that you really don't like that a person says or thinks, Mm -hmm. try to at least understand or learn a little bit about the path that it took them to get there. Because if you had walked your life in their shoes, you might believe the same thing. Right. And, you know, buried under all of those things is our shared humanity that I feel like when we actually get to that, we can find common ground, but we get caught up in these surface level things and it, you know, we kind of retreat to our corners and don't listen and get defensive and all of these things. When if we actually were a little bit more committed to peeling back the layers of the onion and finding the things that make us similar, you know, and it it all sounds like flowery stuff. And, you know, Mm -hmm. we've heard that said a lot, but I mean, I really think it's just as simple as, you know, one-on-one conversations between two people where they each try to see it from the other person's perspective. That's where, I was going to say that's where magic happens, but it's not magic. It just requires a little bit of effort and some Mm -hmm. empathy and a genuine desire to listen. So I would, I would like to see that. I would like my daughter to grow up in a world where that is more common and not such a, you know, such a rare instance, it feels like. Yeah, I think when we see people looking at at other people for one particular thing and then just writing them off because of one thing, like, uh, let's just say I was a coffee hater and because you drink coffee, now I don't even want to talk to you. You know, I'm using that as a very like silly example, but that's what people are doing. I remember right after the election, 
people would say, I'm not even talking to my, you know, this is like a friend of mine. I'm not even talking to my brother anymore. He voted for Trump. I'm not even talking to him. I'm like, there's a lot more to him than that one decision. You know what I mean? It's not a decision I would agree with or I would jump into, but yeah. But there's got to be a reason. There's something behind why they made that decision. There's a whole person, a whole life, and a whole lot of their contributions besides that one thing. And I think that was hard to like wrestle with right after the election of just like, how did people I know think this was okay, you know? And mm-hmm. it took me a while to get to that point and just realize that, wait, I love them though for this thing. And I love them for that thing. And I love how they raise their kids. And I love, you know, how they support me or whatever the thing is or how they're built, you know, we're living their life in so many ways. I can't understand that. I cannot understand the decision, but I love the person for all these other things. And it took me a while, not necessarily a while, but I really had to think about it. It wasn't just like immediate, you know? Yeah. And I'm pretty accepting. I'm well, actually really accepting of people. Like I, I would love, that's my whole purpose of my podcast is my insatiable curiosity with people is how many mm-hmm. people can I meet and how many stories can I hear because I love all of them. So yeah. for me to even have to step back for a minute and re-examine that was pretty pretty unusual. But mm-hmm. people don't do that. People right away write people off for, sometimes for things they can't even control. You know, when you look at like racial bias or things like that. And I don't understand that. So you're right. Empathy. Uh, well, you know, and, and, and part of it, like, we even have to empathize with that because, I mean, that's right. part of, like, how we're hardwired biologically in right. some senses, you know, to, like, to put people in groups and to do those kinds of things. So we even have to, like, circumvent our own natural inclinations to do that. Right. So, it, like, it's, you know, it's hard. I, you know, I do it a lot myself and have to, and then, you know, reflect later. And it's like, man, that was a really bad way to like handle that conversation or right. to approach that conversation, you know? And so we're never going to be perfect, but just right. the more that we can do that and at least recognize when we don't, you know, that's, I mean, it's really the only path forward. Well, so. even when I ask questions about iPhones, dogs and cats and things like that, it's basically, you know, picking out these different per, like characteristics or char- whatever you want to call it about you or about me. And so I, I have to be cautious about that because what is that doing in my thought process? When you think, <laughs> really, when you think about it, yeah, like I don't understand why people like androids, <laughs> but sorry, <laughs> um, but they do, and I have to support both of them at work. So it's you know I'm used to it, but uh, yeah, I still it, it's not like I would not talk to someone because they had an android, but it just there's something like brainwave like that I get about people who have iPhones, maybe. I don't mm. know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. It's just a curious question to me. Like yeah. my theory is, my theory is that um, more iPhone users are morning people. That's just my theory. It's a it's huh. a theory I'm yeah working on. So Interesting. We'll see. I'm probably wrong. And dog lovers. <laughs> so... <laughs> I mean, I, 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 well, I look forward to seeing what the what the results are <laughs> of, of your research. And this is where the transcripts would come in handy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. So uh, last thing that I have to do because I did it to Johnny is I was wondering if you could share three random obscure facts, like the kind you wouldn't put on a job description or a job application or um, if you were single a uh, dating site. So something like super obscure. Oh, the stuff that I wouldn't put wouldn't, on Wouldn't, wouldn't. Wouldn't. Um. So, oh, that's interesting. Okay. Um, I was engaged when I graduated college, but not to not to my wife now. To to another that's interesting. Yeah, young lady. It didn't it didn't end up working out. We ended up moving to Miami together after we 
uh, graduated, but it did not end up working out. While you were working at the school? Yeah. Probably mm-hmm. not the best time, right? No, no. <laughs> we just, you know, it was one of those things. It's like you, and, and we had been on and off again in college, you know, mm-hmm. so there were probably a lot of signs pointing to it not working. But it's one of those things like you're getting ready to graduate. You're both kind of trying to figure out like, what are we going to do? Mm-hmm. And I knew I was getting ready to go to Miami and I wanted her to come with me. But is she going to come with me if there isn't like some kind of commitment there? Right. And, you know, like I kind of came up with this cool way to propose, like with all of my friends there. So there were probably some reasons beyond like the real reasons why you should make that decision. Mm-hmm. Not that there wasn't like genuine affection there, but, you know, there were there was, there was like an artificial like deadline to make the decision. And it right. ended up not working, which really, you know, wasn't all that surprising, I suppose. Caught up in the moment. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's For, good. Good that you were able to back out, though, if it wasn't right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, we both recognized that it wasn't right. So that was good. Um, I don't, you know, I don't know why this story keeps popping into my head, probably because I saw, I saw a tweet, this college basketball writer that I follow sent this tweet and it started out with the line, um, I'm stuck in Florida more on that later. And I retweeted him and I said, so many great stories have started out with that line. (laughs) So many crazy things happen in Florida. And I tweeted that. And then one of my friends who follows me on that account, like, you know, (laughs) sent a message about, you know, something, uh, you know, knowing what, you know, something that we had done in Florida. Uh So I've, in, and cause we had gone down when one of my friends got married, we did like our bachelor weekend down in, in, uh, Florida and went down to the keys. And there's this one night that we were driving back up from key West and we ended up stopping at Dunkin' Donuts and I had had a little bit too much to drink. <laughs> um, and ended up like, I think I got dared to, but I was like standing on top of the table at Dunkin' Donuts doing like a mock strip tease <laughs> and two cops walked in. Of course, because it's like, Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah, just like looking at me like I was insane. And I like looked at them and I said, nothing to see here. And like, you know, kind of waved them on. Uh-huh. And I don't really remember why they didn't like arrest me or stop me or do anything. <laughs> but I guess they just looked at this guy in this ridiculous Hawaiian shirt. And they're like, okay, he is harmless. Just don't fall off the table and hurt yourself. <laughs> but now it's kind of like a, just a thing between that group of friends. You know, nothing to see here. <laughs> it's, a, it's a nice uh, remembrance of that, of that moment. That, oh, is not a story. that is not a story I planned on sharing, but you can leave it in. That <laughs> Did, is, they, <laughs> Did they have uh, smartphones back then? Could we have, does anyone have the video footage no, of that? <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think there's video or anything. Um, and then one more... Um, man, one more thing. Well, okay. Um, my, the most, this is, this is just a basketball related thing that I am still proud of to this day in one high school basketball game. I made seven, three pointers in one game. Wow. It was, yeah, it was as on fire as I, as I ever was. I was a pretty good shooter back in high school, but I think I was like seven for nine that night. Like it was just really on fire. And I still have this it was probably like the greatest moment of like being in the zone that I ever felt. And it just, because a lot of that game, a lot of my high school basketball career is a blur, but I just remember this one play getting the ball at the top of the key. I have no idea how far behind the line I was, but I just got it and I just knew I was going to shoot it and I knew it was going in. Mm. It was just like this really profound moment of like just being in the zone. Right. And I don't even remember like the ball going in. I just remember shooting it 
and like turning around and just like the crowd cheering. And it was just like, it was like a, it was like a split second moment of feeling what like a Steph Curry or like an NBA star feels on a very, (laughs) very, very, very teeny tiny scale. Um, but that, that moment was cool. So those are the first three things that came to mind when you asked that question. That's curious. I love the order. Um, that's like, that's so cool though, to have that moment to remember. I love tethering back to moments like that when I'm having a bad day or something's got me down. I'm like, okay, remember that thing, that time. And just like, you can soak right up into it again. You know, I haven't thought about that in like 10 years, which is crazy, (laughs) but something about that question brought that out. So it's a good moment. That's a good moment. All right. So I want to make sure um, with all the places you are, everybody can find you. So can you tell, kind of rattle off your website so they can look you up? And I'll put it in show notes, but sometimes people like to hear it right away. You know, surewinner.fm is probably the best place for anybody interested in podcasting. Mm-hmm. I haven't done a lot on social media personally in a while. I do a lot on my assembly call account. So if there's any IU basketball fans mm-hmm. in the audience, that's that's probably the best place. Uh, but the other place is email. I actually really like connecting with people one-on-one. And so you can send me an email anytime, jared at showrunner.fm or jaredmorris40 at gmail.com. They all go to the same place. Um, you know, rather than social media, you know, send me an email and I'd love to just connect one-on-one. That's, I find that those are the most meaningful interactions. So I know I'm waiting for my first email from somebody that's listening. They have, I keep saying, Hey, send me an email, Jane at glisteningparticles.com. So I'll throw that in there. We'll see if we both get one. That'd be awesome. (laughs) This has been so fun. I'm really, I want to thank you for joining me here today. And I also want to thank you for the wisdom that you and Johnny had to start the community because it has been Um, I'm getting a lot of that same vibe that you're probably getting from your assembly call people of just having a place to go where people are doing what I love. So thank you for doing that. Well, and you've been an incredible community member. I mean, your enthusiasm and your ideas and just your presence has, I mean, you know, a community like that is only as good as the members and how much they care about it. You know, John and I are just leading conversations, but you know, there have to be people there to take part in them and to take them to the next level and to ask good questions. And you do that. In a, in a wonderful way. So we really appreciate I'm it. I'm glad you appreciate it because I think pretty soon they're going to say, can you just not be always, I always sit in the front row at, at like classes and things like that. I'm that person, you know, with Good. all the questions. So, so hey, far someone's got to be that out. person. Because right. a lot of people sit around waiting for that person to show up. So it's a great responsibility that you exactly. take on. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, thank you again. And I will uh, probably see you at the next office hours. Yes, you will. All right. Take care. Okay. Bye. Bye. One of the things I keep coming back to since launching Glistening Particles is how much I value these conversations. There's something so rich and organic about what we can learn through an open, authentic, and creative conversation. I already had great respect for Jared and his work, but this time talking with him, it deepened my perspective. When he spoke about his values, I could look back and see how he's always represented them in my experience. When he spoke about how he stepped into each new role, I was reminded of my own life and how Trusting my intuition and that sort of nagging pull towards something is really to be trusted. When he spoke about why he continues to do the assembly call, even when it seems like more work than he can keep doing, I completely understood. That's really the challenge these days, balancing the time we spend to fill our bucket with the time we give to others. Something to always keep checking on. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. So, are you following your passion, inspiring people, and willing to share your story? Then find me because that's what I do. And remember, keep up with all the news by visiting glisteningparticles.com and signing up for the newsletter where you'll get the inside scoop on where I'll be wandering next. 
some guest updates, and the latest random acquaintance story. For up-to-the-moment shenanigans, follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you see me post from down the road at your local diner, be sure to drop everything and come say hi, because I love to meet the listeners. Until next time, keep shining. Keep shining.